Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are a woman that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you come to the right place. There are no hard and fast rules and you don't have to call yourself anything. You're just a woman that knows something isn't working for her and you are wanting to make an intentional change. I'm Rachel Pritz and I'll walk alongside you as you learn to drink less and live more. Let's go. Welcome back to Drink Less, Live More. Many of you have probably wrapped up a dry January. I always find it to be interesting after people do their first 30 days. They kind of are like, I don't know what's next, you know? And so they haven't really thought about it necessarily. Maybe you have thought about it a little bit. Um, But that can be a really interesting thing because we don't want to go back to our normal pattern of behavior. There's a reason why you took a break in the first place. But in some ways, dry January, sober October, you know, these breaks that people take have some almost like uh, diet culture vibes, you know, like I'm going to stay on this thing for this long and then I'm going to shove my face with all the things I want to do and sit on the couch and never exercise, you know. So we don't want to get into that sort of a habit or pattern of behavior because it doesn't lead to long term results. I think we know that about diet culture and, you know, kind of just forcing ourselves to do things that maybe we don't even really want anymore or that maybe we haven't healed the deeper things behind the problem, right? And so we want to really focus in on the why. So I would highly encourage you if you are in that space is to kind of remind yourself, why did you take a break in the first place? What was the point of that? If you didn't make it all the way through Dry January, so what? Um, You know, I say this all the time, so what? We don't have to make that mean anything more than it does. Let's again go back to why. Like, why did you even think you wanted to do that? Was it because you just thought you should or was it because you actually wanted to? That's where I find these things to really stick is when it's something that we strongly desire for ourselves You know, previously when I would take breaks from alcohol, it was because I just knew I shouldn't be drinking this much. And whenever I hear the word should or shouldn't, there's usually a little bit of resistance behind that word. So like I should be eating healthier. I should be exercising. Well, guess what? You know what the deeper meaning of that is? It just means I don't want really want to, but I know that it's good for me, but I don't want to. So you know, it's a little different for us to say I get to exercise because it makes me feel really good. Or I get to eat healthy because it makes me feel like I'm loving my body. You know, there's so many different ways that we can shift our mindset, but you have to believe it or it's not going to stick. I can tell you that for certain. So maybe you're not there. Like maybe you're still in the should and shouldn'ts and we're shouldn't all over ourselves. And that's okay. You know, I think there will be a time that you probably will be there. Um, It just sometimes takes people a little bit of time and, um, you know, a few rounds of something like this to decide we're finally sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I want to leave you with that as far as dry January goes. If you didn't make it through the dry January, you didn't even like start with it because you were like, I don't even care. I'm going to start whenever I feel like it. Um, I do have a 14-day break from booze that can be helpful for people. They You get a weekly or sorry, daily uh, message that is just a quick little audio listen that can kind of help you learn a little bit more about alcohol and how it's affecting your body. But then also to help you just sort of gain some momentum and some motivation around why it is important to drink alcohol. You know, for most of us, our brains can tell us 
well, what the heck? Like, this person drinks this much and they seem to be fine. Or I used to drink this much and that was fine. It didn't affect me then, you know, so we can sort of trick ourselves into all these things. And we really just want to look at how does it really make you feel? Not just from a physical standpoint, but from an emotional standpoint. How does alcohol really impact you as an individual? I personally think that alcohol really affects me more than most people the day after. So I think I I really feel the after effects of alcohol stronger than most people do. And, you know, I can go out and have two glasses of wine and feel completely hungover the next morning. And so, you know, I do think that those effects tend to be a little bit stronger for me. And so that was sort of my, my, you know, marching orders was that this doesn't make me feel good. Like it just doesn't. I don't care if it makes somebody else feel fine after two glasses of wine. It doesn't make me feel good. It's, it's not working for my body anymore. So that is kind of how I started looking at it. And really, like that's empowering when you think about it. Like you're taking agency over this relationship with alcohol. Instead of letting it drive you, you get to drive it which I love that. Like I always love when I can flip into feeling more empowered versus feeling like a victim in a situation. So today I want to talk to you about resilience. This is not just a buzzword I'm throwing around. I'm certified in a resilience tool through Hello Driven, which is an Australian research company that really dug into the neuroscience of how we develop resilience you know, obviously with the work I do, I do a lot of professional development, leadership development. I teach people a lot of soft skills, although I don't really say that because people are like soft skills. Those are, wow, that sounds like that would be really easy. You know, they're human skills that are actually really difficult because most of us weren't taught to know how to do these things naturally. We were taught to sort of do the opposite, right? Don't you dare feel emotion at work. My goodness, like that would be the worst thing we could ever imagine. And so now we don't know, you know, if we're leading people or if we're individual contributors, we don't know how to do it ourselves. So it's like, well, of course we can't give it to other people if we're not doing it for ourselves. So pre-pandemic, I got certified in this tool because I was going to start using it. Um, a friend of mine sent me an assessment and I thought, gosh, this is really interesting. Another coach buddy. Um, and this is really interesting stuff. And I did learn a lot about myself with the results. And, you know, I was really thriving. I was new into my business. I had all the ideas. Like, I was really in a space of thriving. And so my scores were fairly high. My composure was extra high. That's one of the domains of resilience. And that was really interesting to me because the, the things with composure are that you can regulate your emotions. You can uh, check your own interpretation bias. So you can say, like, where do I have a bias here? And you're calm and in control. And at that time, I would have 100% agreed. I felt like that was a really high area for me. And I work with a lot of people that actually rate pretty low in the composure section because they're more reactive types of people. That wasn't me. I'm more of a calm and in control. Okay, let's kind of like, let's not react to things. Things often resolve themselves without reacting. So, you know, there's, there's a lot there to, to learn for sure for all of us. Now, I mean, I was still drinking kind of, I don't know if normal is the right word, but I was still drinking during that time, but it was in control. Like it didn't feel like I was out of control. I didn't feel like it was disrupting my health. Things felt good. And then the pandemic hit and 
of course, you know, I was experiencing all the emotions we all were experiencing and I didn't take the assessment again, but I can tell you for certain that my composure dropped like a damn rock, like it hit the ground. All those things went out the door. I was not calm and in control. I was not regulating my emotions. I was not able to check my own bias and judgments towards others. None of that was happening. And so it was really interesting to just watch this in action because as I was getting certified, they taught us that this is a buildable skill. You can build it at any time. It doesn't matter how old, young, how much experience you have. You can build it at any time. That also means if you don't front load it, you can lose it. And so it's not just like this skill you just get to keep once you get to the top of it, which I found that to be really interesting. So, you know, I had all this knowledge going into this journey of, okay, I want to cut back my alcohol, but had no idea there would be such a direct connection with resilience and cutting back alcohol. So I'm going to walk through the six domains of resilience because I think they can be really helpful for people to think about how do I grow more resilience? You know, all of us want to be resilient people. We don't want the small things to have us hit, you know, rock bottom and not be able to get back up. We want to be able to just sort of go over the small things, even some of the big things, and be able to move forward. So, you know, that's not ignoring the things that are happening in our lives, but, you know, we want to be able to sort of move through those, those smaller things without being phased, you know, like just rolling right through them. And I can certainly tell you there's been times in my life that I've absolutely been able to even roll over some really big things and be able to drive forward. So that's a great place to be in. And then I've had some times where I've had incredibly low resilience. And when I was drinking, you might say a bottle of wine, but sometimes it was cocktails, especially through the pandemic. My husband would be like, you want a martini? It's, you know, 4 p.m. Why not? So, you know, I was drinking, I was just over drinking, you know, drinking way too much. And it was like every night. So, you know, I never, my body never had a break. And previously I wouldn't drink that much during the week. It would be more weekends, you know, I'd reserve it for that. So my body would have a chance to sort of work through the alcohol. It never did, you know, when I was drinking every single day. So, um, I was noticing that through that period from when the pandemic hit and then November 1st is when I was like, something's got to give November 1st, 2020, I can't keep doing this. I had incredibly low resilience during that time. I didn't retake the assessment, but I can tell you just from the knowledge I gained from being certified in it and then teaching this to other people that I drastically uh, decreased my resilience during that time. And I think alcohol was directly related to that decrease in resilience. So I'm going to talk through the six domains here, and I'm going to talk through my own experience and how it was related to alcohol specifically. I think many of these things will probably be relatable for many of you. So the first one I want to talk about is something we call vision. So, you know, like we have this forward thinking, purpose driven, you know, goal oriented um, sort of congruence with what we're doing, you know, and it's like, OK, like all these things are matching up my personal life. And my professional life are integrated. You know, I really felt like when I had really high scores in vision, that was absolutely true. I am there today. Like it is all in, it's one big life. It's all in alignment and it feels really good. So I would think my vision score would be high today. Um, during the pandemic and, and with the heavy drinking, I had very little vision. Um, and I think that was natural because it was really hard to see the future. We just didn't know. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen. So I think many of us probably had much lower vision scores. 
But that was really low for me. I couldn't even be creative and think about what that could look like. My alignment with myself and with my business and the work I was doing in my personal life, totally off. Like it just felt like total chaos at all times. So vision was very low. I mentioned composure already. That is the second domain I want to talk about. So I kind of told you what that is, like the common and control. We can regulate our emotions. We don't quickly react to things. We can check our bias. Um, That during that six-month period of heavy drinking um, was really low too. Like my reactions, my patience with my kids, small things would just throw me for a loop. Like the smallest things I could get so angry about or I could get you know, so impatient. Like it was just like I everything was just like heightened for sure. And I had no idea how to check it and regulate it. I was just saying things out loud that were totally just inappropriate, like the opposite of composure. So I would have given myself a pretty low score on composure. Um, we'll just do a rating of one through ten. I sometimes do this with clients without the assessment. I just have them rate ten's the highest they would rate themselves, one's the lowest. Interestingly enough, when I've done that with clients having known them for a while, I think they're pretty spot on. Like, I think their self-assessment is pretty spot on from what I've seen of them. Um, so let's say for vision, when I was heavy drinking, I bet I was about a 2 out of 10. Composure, probably a 1 out of 10. And remember, previously and today, I would say composure is probably one of my highest. So really interesting. 1 out of 10 with alcohol. Reasoning, so problem solving, resourcefulness, you can anticipate and plan for things. My God, I am so good at this one (laughs) when I am not drinking and when I'm in a really healthy, integrated physical and emotional space. So, problem solving and being resourceful, um, planning for things when I was drinking heavily, I was probably at about a, I would say, two out of 10. You know, I figured it out. I have a family. You know, I had to I had to force myself to do some of these things. But I would say it was probably about a two out of ten when I was heavily drinking. So not so good. Normally I would give myself about a nine out of ten. Like when I tell other people or I tell my husband something that's going on, I've learned to preface it with, I don't need your advice on how to fix this. Um, and we all know like the men like to try to fix things. And I'm like, I'm hundred percent capable of fixing this problem. I want you to listen to the emotional experience that I'm having. Um, And I know how to fix the problem. So not it's like I don't need that. I'm a super smart, resourceful woman. So I have I've learned to sort of, you know, preface that uh, with a lot of my conversations. Like, I just want you to listen. I can figure this out. You know, like I got it. So, you know, the reasoning I would say is normally a very high one for me. Um, Tenacity. Gosh, this one, like we know what that word means to be tenacious. Like, I mean, many of us want that. Like we want to be tenacious women or tenacious people. Um, you know, the things that are included with that are this persistence, a realistic optimism. So you're not wearing rose-colored glasses, but you realistically are positive. Like you have a slant to positivity. Um, and you can bounce back fast. When I was heavily drinking, my tenacity was like, a zero. And I'm not, like I said, one out of 10 and I'm giving myself a zero. It was really freaking low. When I first took it, um, when I was in that more healthy space, when I first kind of started my business, my tenacity was actually the lowest one of all of the six domains, which was interesting. It still wasn't terribly low. I think it was like 60 out of 100. So like a six out of 10. But um, that was something that I agreed with. And the person that gave me the assessment was like, that surprises me. You seem very tenacious. 
And I'm like, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done there. You know, like I, I don't bounce back as fast as I would like. You know, I'm an Enneagram nine and we do tend to stay stuck for longer than maybe others do. I've really worked through that where I can starting and stopping isn't such a challenge for me anymore. And it used to be a big one. But that was the the great thing about the Enneagram is I learned that about myself. And I recognized that that was actually, I'm going to use the word normal, but I don't think it's a great word for this. But that actually wasn't how other people or how, how you know, normal people people did things that weren't Enneagram nines. You're like, that was just the story I'd created. Like, here's the story that it's going to take me a long time to bounce back from things. It doesn't have to once you're aware of it. So, you know, now tenacity. Oh, my gosh. I I don't know. That one might be a really high one. I would give myself like a nine out of ten today on tenacity for sure. Um, fifth one is collaboration. So using your support networks, finding your tribe of people. Um, you know, it says, you know, they talk about managing perceptions um, with this idea of collaboration. When I teach this to leaders, I look at it as more of a like we have to be willing to help our people. Right. And we have to be telling them I'm here. I will support you in any way. And then when they ask, you got to be on it like you got it. You got to follow through on this. But sometimes, you know, the research really showed that just that idea, that perception that you're there for them and you're going to help them, that's a huge game changer for them. You know, like they just feel like there's somebody there. They don't even need the support. They can be resourceful and they can figure out these things on their own. Um, but they need somebody that they know they can, like they're they're not the end of the line, right? Like they can fall back to you if they need to. So collaboration, you know, I'm an independent solopreneur, you know, so I don't, I don't collaborate with tons of people, but that was something I really missed from my corporate environment. So I still do a fair amount of that with other coaches and do some subcontracting and co-facilitating with people. So I would still give myself maybe an eight out of 10 in collaboration. You know, that's, that feels pretty, pretty true for me now. Collaboration with like support networks and all those things. I mean, everybody needed a support network. We were all on the same boat, which was the first time ever that, you know, during the pandemic that we were all struggling at the same time. Usually you have like, I'm struggling, but my friend's not or vice versa, you know, so like you have these people that you can reach out to. Um, I'm really good at finding support. I pay for support. So I hire, you know, coaches and I hire um, therapists like I'll hire. I'll pay people all day long to be part of my support network. You know, there's something to be said about paying for that type of support. You know, they kind of have to show up for you. Um and you can tell them anything without loss of relationship. You know, it's like sometimes you can't tell your partner or your sister or your mom certain things. And you're like, I just want to be able to tell a completely independent source what's going on. So I'm all for it. I will pay for that shit all day long. Um, so collaboration is the fifth one. The last one, and I kept this last for a reason because obviously alcohol is directly related to this one. But I'm going to tell you something about this this uh, research that they did. So the last domain is health. So when we think of health, we think of things like proper nutrition, sleep, which was a huge one in the research they did. Huge. And, you know, people, you know, I used to have a former boss that would say, I only need about four hours of sleep. Not true. So there's about 1% of the population that can function on about six hours of sleep, but uh, most people need at a minimum six hours of sleep. So it's not true. Like, was she functioning? Absolutely. Could she have functioned at a higher level? Yep, 
absolutely, with more sleep. So sleep was a huge component. And now we're learning a lot of research for women that we need more sleep than men do, which I find just cruel because we are the ones that typically get up. And obviously when we are breastfeeding, we feed the babies in the middle of the night. And I'm like, wait a minute, we're supposed to need more sleep and we got to do all that too? Like, just feels like we're getting screwed over a little bit. Um, But anyway, so sleep is a big deal. Exercise obviously is a huge component to health. This was the first research company to pull health out as its own independent domain. So other companies would just throw this one into one of these other categories of things, you know, like health would be a a component of one of these other things. And they were like, you know, we're curious if we pulled out health, how much the research shows that it correlates with the other domains. And here's the fascinating thing. So when they did that, they found that when the health component was higher, every single other domain was higher. It was directly correlated to every other single domain being higher. And when health was lower, every single domain was lower, directly correlated to every other same, every other domain being lower. So this one is paramount to our success. And I can tell you this from just watching myself and observing myself that this is 100% true for me. So all of those really low scores, you know, during that really six-month period of really heavy drinking, my health component was probably like a two out of 10. I mean, really, maybe a one out of 10. So interesting how the rest of them were so low as well. Today, I would rate my health a nine out of 10, maybe some days a 10 out of 10. And all of my other components are higher and they're around that same level. So, so interesting to think about. And, you know, obviously I've talked to you a lot about how alcohol affects our health. I think we're all starting to learn that. It's kind of like the new cigarette where we're like, ew, you know, I mean, I really do think that, and it's happening faster than it did with cigarettes because we're just learning so much. Um, I think that someday we're going to be like, gosh, like sitting in a bar and drinking all night would be the same as sitting there and smoking a pack of cigarettes. Like it's equally as repulsive to us. In you know, I'm there at this point where I wouldn't say it's equally as repulsive, but it's getting there. Like it's like, oh my gosh, like that is so unhealthy for you. And I would never smoke a pack of cigarettes. So why would I drink an entire bottle of wine every night? Because I know that that's directly impacting me. So there's something that happens with my brain in particular, and some of this might be relatable for some of you. But when I learn hard and fast truths, like numbers, truths, like I saw the the numbers with my lab work, Um, I started reading about how alcohol impacts your health. It's irrefutable. You can't argue with it. It's hard fact. I'm like, okay, boom, like something just immediately shifted in my head. So like when I get facts in front of me, I just I don't argue with them. I'm like, I believe that that is true. And if I believe that is true, then what the fuck am I doing? You know, I say I cuss all the time so i'm gonna apologize for that um but what the fuck am i doing like like that's all i kept thinking like what like why would i be doing this and so that was an easy switch for me like that was really where i transitioned from that i should stop drinking to i want to stop drinking this is really bad for me and i don't like the way it makes me feel so that's where i think we have to get so i'm telling you these things just to help you sort of maybe get that hard fact that might be the shift that you need So those are the six domains of resilience. I'm going to run through them just one more time to say them out loud because you can maybe jot them down if you're not driving or consider where you would land on these. So it was vision, 
composure, reasoning, tenacity, collaboration, and health. So those are all things we all want. Like, I feel like this is a great way to just lead a really healthy life, you know, where you can just go out into the world and feel like nothing can stop you. You know, your performance is going to be higher. You'll slip into boredom uh, less than you normally would when your resilience is high. There's research backing that up. You slip into burnout um, much slower when you have higher resilience. And so it just it really widens your peak performance zone which is where many of us want to be. Like, I don't need to like have peak performance every day, but I want it to be higher um, more often than not, right? Like I want it to feel like I'm in that zone more often than, than I would have been, say, five, 10 years ago. That's progress. So good news here is this is not like IQ where you're sort of given a certain IQ and stuck with that. These are all buildable skills, human skills that we can build all day long. So have a great week. I will actually, oh, no, I can't do that. Never mind. I was going to say I'm going to put the um, the visual of this in the show notes, but I can't do that because it's proprietary. So never mind. But if you want to know more, just reach out to me and I'll talk to you about it. So I would love to do that. As always, if you ever just, you know, you haven't met me or we've had conversations before, feel free to just schedule a free chat with me. I love doing that. I actually learn a lot from all of you. If you have any ideas for podcast episodes, I don't usually have a shortage of ideas, but I would love to hear from you. Like, what, what do you want to hear about? What do you want to hear about my experience? What do you want to hear about what I've learned? What do you want to hear about with the women I've coached? You know, what I've learned through them. Happy to do that. So please uh, send me all your ideas. I'm always open to that. So have a great week. We will be back next week. It'll be mid-February, which is wild. We're like getting closer to being through winter. I feel like March is always that time of year where I'm like, yeah. Like that final four time is always like, it's here. We're making a shift. So have a great week and we'll talk soon. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded of new episodes. This is not intended to be medical advice. This is for gray area drinkers that are wanting to evaluate their relationship with alcohol and cut back or quit altogether. If alcohol isn't ruining your life, but it's certainly not making it any better, you're in the right place.